0: telling you yesterday was a day and it wasn't just any day it was a great day yesterday we had over 200 teenagers show up for the pool party we put on that was awesome they were freaking out so much that they had to call in extra lifeguards but we told them last year we had 175 and so we knew it was going to be better. We knew it was going to be greater. And we knew that. So the deal is, is this. We need to be expecting more. 200 is not enough. There's more than 200 teenagers in Greenville. We, need, we want to service Everybody. And I'll tell you, the thing that I saw that, that kind of perplexed me was this. We needed more volunteers. And I looked, and I saw how many people were there, and I was like, you know what? We need more people serving. We really do. Um, I was there for a very short period of time. I actually was supposed to leave a little earlier than I left, and um, you know, but I had to take care of some business while I was there. And I called Jeremy probably about 8.30 or so and uh, asked him how it was doing. And, um, you know, it ended at 8, and they were still trying to get out of there. And then I think about how many teenagers were there. And having that many teenagers there, we need more adults to to provide protection for teenagers. Uh, Thank the Lord that we had a couple deputies that were there. And it was just awesome, you know, they weren't in uniform or anything, but they were there to, to you know, one of their children was there and uh, they were there helping us provide some safety and protection for the kids. And, and we need that because it's not just, hey, let's, let's have fun because we want to have fun, but it's let's make sure that no problems happen so they can have fun. We don't want any of our children to be into a situation to where it can become dangerous because we see how the world is going today. I mean, the world is crazy. Just, I mean, it was at one point a little crazy, but now it's over the top crazy. I mean, people just going into churches and shooting people up and doing, I mean, it's crazy. People going into schools, it's nuts. But you know what? We have a good God. We have a God that will protect us. We have a God that will provide for us. At the same time, we need to be asking God for wisdom in what we do. Because people say, well, man, I'm a Christian, nothing's going to happen to me. Well, tell it to those people in North Carolina who got shut up, those people in Texas. Tell Tell it to all those churches that lost family members. Why didn't God protect them? Well, he was. The problem that we have is we're not listening. We're trying to use human reasoning into figuring out God. But what we need to be doing, instead of being... Ignorant of the word, we need to get into the word and listen to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to say, "Hey, listen, there's danger coming." Well, I might not know what the danger is, but I'm going to start preparing for it. You know, um, when Paul Revere said the British were coming, they were prepared for them to come, right? I mean, they prepared ahead of time, and they had Paul Revere out there to let them know when he when, what if by land, who is by sea. I mean, he they, he was letting them know, but they were already prepared for war. Well, let me tell you, we need to be prepared for any of the attacks of the enemy. Because his devices have not changed. They're still the same. Just like God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so is the enemy. And so is his devices. He's still a liar. He, He doesn't tell the truth. It might sound like the truth, but he'll pervert the truth. Amen? All right, don't take this off my preaching time. Good morning, and welcome to Thrive Church. We are so excited together to be worshiping together, to be getting into the presence of the Lord together. We, right here at Thrive, we believe in not surviving, but thriving. Our motto, grow, develop, succeed. We grow a kingdom. We're developing our character, and we succeed by walking in the call of God on our lives, both in our local church and in our community. And yesterday was awesome because we got to do that in our community. We got to show our community. And this is the third year, I believe, in a row that we've done this. We started off, I think, the first year with maybe 35 kids. The second year, 175. And this year, over 200. So we're growing. And we're developing along the way what we need to do and what what we need to service this community. Because it's not for Thrive Church. It's for the community. That's why we made sure that people and kids in the schools got flyers and things like that to tell them what was going on. You know, we, we had a, a, a great DJ out there playing, mixing some music, you know. I mean, we had a lot of things going on. We were giving away hot dogs, cotton candy, snow cones, I mean, all for free. Now, it's not free for us here because what we have done collectively when we take up tithes and offerings, we are so blessed that we give into this ministry that's able to do this. Because without the finances of us coming together and listening to God, we wouldn't be able to do things like we do. We would have a church budget where we have millions of dollars in the bank and say, oh man, we've got millions of dollars in the bank. But we don't run that way. As a matter of fact, we, we run on a very tight budget because we give. And But you know what happens? He gives us more. And what I mean by tight budget is we're good stewards with what he has given us. We've been proven, we've been tested, we've been tried. And what you know what we're going to do? We're going to do more. Why? Because God is going to increase you more, and because he's increasing you more, it's going to increase the church more, and then together we're going to be able to do more. If you don't increase and the church doesn't increase, we can't do more. It's not about, hey, man, look at how much money we got. We got the biggest bank account, doo da, doo da. I mean, that's what some of these churches have badges for. But they're, they're dwindling in numbers, and they're not having any effect on the kingdom of God, and I'll tell you why. It's because of the series that we're doing right now, they've lost their dream. They've lost their passion. They've lost their vision. They started the race off, man. They were charging and they were, they were just digging in and, and, and they were getting people saved and set free and delivered and they were loving God. And then all of a sudden it, it got older and older and older. And then they refused to change and they started singing songs like, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And they meant it. <laughs> Matter of fact, I pastored a church. Great group of people. We probably went up to about 160-something. That's with youth and and everything. We started off with 20. We did it in in about two years. It was was Lighthouse um, in Arkansas. Great group of people. But the problem with some of the leadership, not all of the leadership, but some of the leadership, some key people, they refused to move forward. And because they refused to move forward, they started dwindling in numbers. They, they've never really had a, a, a steady pastor since. And I mean, it's just, you know, now they're starting to grow just a little bit, you know, and I, and I pray for them. I pray they continue to grow. But the only way they're going to grow and succeed is if they change. Not change the message. Not change, you know, your morality, your ethics. Not change that, but change the way we do business Do business in this generation instead of doing business in that generation. You know, before they had calculators, they had to do certain things. But then when we got calculators, things progressed. You know, before we had calculators in in the South, we we wore flip-flops, so that way we had twice as many digits. Right? You know, so the thing of it is, is we need to progress because God is trying to get the soci- our society to progress, not, not progress in the negative sense, but to progress into this culture to win the lost. That's what it's about. It's about churches coming alive. And in this series, we have two fundam- fund, uh, fundamental uh, scriptures that we've been using. The first one is in Proverbs 29, 18 in the Message Bible. It says, if people can't see." right? What God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And the problem is we're wrapped up so much into the world and the world system and our jobs and all these things, we're blinded to what God's doing because we're, we're so focused on trying to pay the bills. But if we quit being focused on trying to pay the bills and attend to what God shows us, and we are good stewards with the finances and stuff that he gives us, then not only are we going to be able to pay the bills, but we're going to be able to give into good good deeds that need to be given into. Like if somebody needs something, sometimes people say, Well, you know, I'm just going to call the pastor, see what the church has to give them. You know, sometimes God's talking to you. Because you are the church. This is just a building. This could be an automotive repair building. Who who knows? This is a You're the church. You're the temple of God. So sometimes God's saying, hey, look, I want you to have an opportunity to bless somebody else. For years, I better get a hold of the pastor. See what the church can do. See what the church can do. See what the church can do. Get a hold of God and see what he wants you to do. He might tell you, yeah, get a hold of the church. That's cool. I'm not against that but what I'm trying to tell you is God might be trying to give you opportunity to do something great and learn how to trust him and and walk by faith and not by sight. Then it goes, uh, let's see, then the next uh, scripture we have is Acts 2.17. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out uh, my spirit on all people. So in the last days, he's right here, said he's going to manifest his spirit on everybody, so it's not just a prophet, it's not just a a, a priest, a teacher, it's on all people. He said, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. So in other words, we need to be having prophecy and visions and dreams going on to understand and to be able to see where God is going, where he's trying to take us. So what I want to title this message is, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up. It's time that we dream again. See, when I talk about dreams, I'm not talking about going to sleep and and having all these dreams because some of those dreams y'all are having just ain't good. You know what I'm talking about because you're laughing. The other ones aren't laughing because you're scared. I already know what you're dreaming. I'm talking about vision. I'm talking about passion. I'm talking about the things that God gives you, okay? That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about dreaming again. When you get a vision, how can you tell it's from God? Now, this is not in your notes, but you you can write it down if you want, but I'm going to go real fast. Number one, does it line up with the Bible? If it doesn't line up with the Bible, there's something wrong. Okay. Number two, does it make you more like Christ? See, we're supposed to be transforming into the image of Christ And if your dream and your vision and your passion is not transforming you or helping to transform you into the image of Christ, it's not from God. Number three, do those in spiritual authority confirm it? What does that mean? That means people who actually are elders of the church, people who are more spiritual than yourself, who you know and you can depend on and go to, can they see it in your life? Can they help you confirm it? Because a lot of times what happens is someone who doesn't have that spiritual authority or maturity in God, you might be really close to them, and they might be saying, hey, you you know what, you've been called to be a missionary in Africa. Uh Well, how do you know? Did God tell you? Or someone from the pulpit said, you know, I believe you're called to be a missionary in Africa. And that person with less spiritual authority, who's not that close, did you hear what that preacher said? Oh, man, you're going to Africa, and and they're encouraging you to go. (laughs) when someone that might know God a little deeper, be a little bit more mature in Christ Jesus, and say, hey, listen, God might be calling you there, but why why don't you put it on the shelf and pray about it and do what God's calling you to do now and see what doors he opens up for you, and see if your passion and desire is for Africa. Because if your passion and desire is is not for Africa, if it's not for Greenville tenants, get out! Go to the place that God has called you to be. If it's not here at Thrive Church, I love you, but get out! Go to the church that God has called you to be. Why? Because I'm going to frustrate you. You don't belong to me, you belong to God. My position is to take the ones that he wants to bring together with me and help lead them, guide them, and encourage them to do what God's called them to do. It's time that we dream again. You know, there is a time between a dream being conceived and a dream being achieved. There's a time frame between that. I, when I began pastoral ministry over 24 years ago, man, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to quit. <laughs> Maybe even last week I probably wanted to quit. I don't know, but I can't tell you how many times that I've wanted to quit because I wasn't seeing what I thought God was trying to show me or I was going through some times that I'm like, God, what is this worth it? And oh, the people that beat up my family over the years, The ones who love us so much, who hug us at the door and kiss us on the cheek and stab us in the back every time. You know what I'm saying? Anybody who wants that type of life, take it. You must be called to do this job. Because all those people that do that, if I know that, some of them I know their names. I still pray for them. I pray for the love of God on them. I pray for success. I pray that the eyes of their understanding being aligned to the hope of his calling. That they know the riches of his glory, the exceeding greatness of his power that works towards us who believe. I pray that the Father fills them with might in the inner man, that they know the love of Christ that passes all understanding, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, the fullness of his love. I pray that for everybody. And I mean it. I pray it for this church constantly. So, so there's a lot of times that I've wanted to quit over the years. It took some time to get to where I'm at today, and I'm still not where I want to be yet. I want to be farther along the road, but I have to go through some stuff. And that's what you're going to have to do, is you're going to have to go through some stuff, because if you don't go through some something, you'll never get there. If you don't go through the door, you'll never get outside. If you don't go in the car, turn it on, and put it in gear, you won't move. You have to go through some things to get places. You're going to have to go through some stoplights, some stop signs, maybe get pulled over because you're going too fast. I don't know. Get mad at the police officer because he gave you a ticket because you were breaking the law. No, I got in trouble the other night. Well, I didn't get trouble. I just wouldn't write the person a ticket. Um, and then they started telling me how somebody got saved in that revival, and they were all excited, so then I introduced them myself as the pastor of Thrive Church, and they got all excited. Um, I, I gave them a warning. Anyway, so let's take a look at Joseph, all right? in jo- With Joseph, in Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 7, it says this. Joseph had a dream, right? And when he was when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He had 10 older brothers, and when you take a look at him, they already hated him. They hated him before he had the dream. They hated him all the more. Well, why did they hate him? He was the youngest. So what did that mean? He was spoiled rotten. Well, how do you know? Because he got a coat of many colors. None of them got it. That was daddy's favorite. That's daddy ball right there, you know? You can't mess with Joseph. So they hated him all the more. So he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, you know, he was kind of cocky. Y'all going to bow down to me? That was my dream. Yeah, you're going to clean my shoes. I mean, that's that's kind of how it sounds. So they hated him all the more. And, and they said, we're not going to bow down to this snotty-nosed kid. Who does he think he is? I mean, they were just, oh, man, they were. And some of that had to do with how Joseph handled what was given to him. Because if you read it, anybody who's. Gets a dream like that who's mature, wouldn't say that. Especially to the people who are going to be bowing down to him. They they would keep their mouths shut, and they would wait to see how it played out. And they would be praying along the way. So it showed some of his immaturity. He had to go through some things. So in chapter 37, verses 19 and 20, the brothers say, Here comes that dreamer, they said one to another. So in other words, they were mocking him. They were making fun of him. Do you realize that when you get a dream from God, you're going to be made fun of? You're going to be mocked? You know, people are going to try to tell you you can't do it. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not enough. And you know what? You go back to Jesus is enough. And if you go back to he's enough, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He made you enough. And he makes you enough when you go back to him. Amen? So he said, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Oh my goodness, I'll tell you what, if that was going on, I mean, would you really think that you're going to end up having people bow down to you? with that going on? No. So don't give up on your dreams, even if it didn't start off well. That's in your notes. His dream didn't start off well. See, not everybody starts off in the same place. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. None of us were qualified before we where we got where we're at. He called us, and in the journey, he starts qualifying us. I wasn't qualified to be a pastor when he called me, but in the journey, he started qualifying me to pastor people. See, back when I started, I thought all I had to do was preach to people. And I would spit and do somersaults and cartwheels backflips and mother was like, ah, place would go nuts and everything. And we went home, man. Man, that was a good meeting. but well, what'd you accomplish? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> we didn't. We thought we were doing something, and everybody was happy. But you know when you accomplish something? When lives are changed. If we're not changing lives, we're not accomplishing anything. That's why the Bible doesn't say a pastor has to be apt to preach. He has to be apt to teach. So a pastor is supposed to be a teacher. If a pastor is not teaching and all he's doing is preaching, then we have a whole lot of hoopla. And we have a whole lot of messed up people. And I'm not saying we don't have messed up people in teaching churches. What I'm saying in teaching churches, what we have is we have solutions to help you get out of your messed up situation. And if all we have is hoopla, then we come up to the altar, we snot, we go, Jesus, come help me. And he's trying to help you. But we don't have a solid foundation to keep going along the road to keep us. Because once you walk out these doors, your snot's gone, your tears gone, and you go right back into that world where the enemy was attacking you in the first place. And if you don't have anything to stand on... You're going to go right back to who you were. Come on, that's good. You can clap if you want. That's really good. When I take a look at the Apostle Paul and he put him in charge of things, he put him in charge of church planning, he put him in charge of getting with kings and ministering to kings and soldiers and all these people, he put him in charge of some apostles When he called him, he wasn't qualified because when he called him, he was in charge of overseeing the death of Christians. Man, that's good. So in other words, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. If you take a hold of him, he will take you to great and mighty places. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Timothy 1, 12 and 13. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. So in other words, he considered that. Let me say this. I thank Christ Jesus for considering me faithful before I was even faithful to appoint me to pastor Thrive Church. So when you take a look at that, he he considers you faithful. Keep reading the verse. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Well, I'm not ignorant and I'm not in unbelief. Then you're stupid. (laughs) But trust me. You're probably ignorant or you don't believe if you're acting these things out because if you truly believed, it would change your life. God doesn't make stupid people. We create stupidity. Don't give up on your dream, even if the journey is full of surprises. You take a look at Joseph. His life was full of surprises. You know, when you take a look, his brother sold him into slavery. This is the first documented place that I can see of human trafficking. (laughs) Right? Living in a strange uh, country far from home. Those are two bad things. It didn't look like anything was going to happen, but then things got a little bit better. He, He gets elevated in Potiphar's house. So he's like, okay, things are starting to... Chill. But then he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Ah! Right? Then he was thrown into prison. My brother's never gonna be bowed down to me. But then he was put in charge of the prisoners. Things got a little bit better. Then he was forgotten by the cupbearer. What, what's that? Well, he was he read his dreams and said, dude, you're getting out of jail. But you know, when you get out, tell them about me. I went out, too. The cupbearer forgot about him. He stayed in prison for two more years. Man, so that's a long time. I mean, prison for one day is a long time. You're there for two years. That's a whole long time. But then he became second in command of Egypt because he read Pharaoh's dream. Pastor, what are you saying? This shows us our journey is going to be rough. And it shows you twice as many bad things are going to happen before one good thing happens. so don't give up on your dreams. If you're going through some rough times, if you're going through some stuff and and, and the devil's just really knocking you down and and kicking at your door, you're going to go through twice as many bad things before you got that good thing. Keep up the faith, keep up the hope, keep up your dreams, keep looking at Christ Jesus because he will never leave you or forsake you. Mm. Man, this is a great message. But in the end, when you take a look, his dream was fulfilled so don't let your setbacks stop you from your dreams don't don't say well i'm this way because of this no you're that way because of you every decision you make is yours You stop following God because of you. You can't blame God because God said it was going to happen. God said trouble was going to come. So if trouble comes, you need to learn how to have peace in the middle of the storm. If you don't know how to have peace in the middle of the storm, it's because you have not gotten into your Bible, and it's not because you have not gotten into the presence of the Lord. If you get into the presence of the Lord and you get into your Bible, then when the bad times come, you'll rejoice. Woo! Count it all joy, baby! Can't touch this. I mean, that's that's kind of how you'll get. You get excited. I mean, just all of a sudden, woo, man. But you know what happens? The waves come and the waves come and the waves come. And it's like we're be- being buffeted, boom, to boom. And then finally we just give up. It's not worth it. I'm telling you, I'm not giving up. I know what God showed me. 25 years ago. I know what He put in my heart. And you know, I might not be where I think I should be right now, but I'm a whole lot better than I was. I've learned a whole lot of things along this journey. And that's what's going to happen. We're going to learn more things. Romans 8 28, He says this. And we know that in all things. We know that in what? In all things. What does that mean? In your current situation, in your current job, in your current house, in your current car, in your current health, with your current spouse. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let me tell you what, God is working on your behalf at all times, in all things. So don't give up on your dreams, here we go, even if it takes a long time to realize it. It takes a long time to to figure it out sometimes, but seek God, and when you seek God, you'll start figuring it out, Habakkuk 2-3 in the Living Bible, these things I plan won't happen right away, slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled, if it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. It might seem like forever, but it's not forever. The problem with our, our, our society, the problem with church is we're on a fast-paced deal. We have to go to Burger King and we have to have it our way. See, God has a way, and he has a reason for this, and the reason is, Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up, right? Okay. So I'm going to give you three quick principles for your dreams. One, recognize and value the process. Recognize it and value it. When something's happening to you, God wants to do something in you. Now, I'll tell you this God never puts you there, God never did it to you. God doesn't put things on people at all. Pastor, how do you know that? Because I've read the Bible. And the Bible says he came to set us free. That that was his mission. That people were oppressed by the devil in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. But when the New Testament came around, Jesus came to give us life. And life what? More abundantly. He came to set the captives free. It says he came to deliver all who were oppressed by the devil because oppression comes from the devil first peter one six and seven new living translation so be truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead even though you you have to endure many trials for a little while so he said troubles coming it's gonna come you're gonna have to endure it it's coming these trials will show that your faith is genuine it is being tested as a fire test and purifies gold Though your faith is far from pres- far more precious than gold. There's a process to in gold, and the way the process works is a lot of heat comes to it. So to your faith, a lot of heat's going to come to it. And when a lot of heat comes to gold, it goes from a, a, a substance to a liquid. and Because and, and it, it melts it. And what it does is all the impurities rise to the top. And then what they do is you skim off the impurities, and then you end up with pure gold. Well, that's what happens in our faith. There's, there's heat comes to our faith. There's tests, there's trials, and there's all kinds of things. But God doesn't bring them because the Bible says in James that God tests tempts no man. That's what the book of James says. Why doesn't he do it? Because he said it's our evil desires that cause us to stumble. So it's our evil desire that causes us to get, that get, get drawn in to what the enemy has laid a trap for us. And guess what? God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he reap. So why do we have problems? Why do we? Because we're making bad decisions. Okay. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now the scripture I did earlier Uh, James 1, 2, and 3, it says, count it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face uh, trials of many kinds. What that's saying is this, woo yeah, I'm getting on through a trial. But you know what we really do? Trial comes, run, Forrest, run, you know. We don't want to have the trial. He said, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. That's why you need to be joyful. You're not joyful because of the trial. You're joyful because in the trial, you're now strengthening your faith and relying upon God so you know when trials come again, you've got something to go back to. God, I remember when God did this. I remember when God put me through or pulled me out of this. I remember when I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he led me right out. Number two, refuse to let offenses stop me. Now, this is a big one because people get offended. That's it. I'm done. I'm offended. That's it. Cut them off. Never talk to them again. Anyway, there are people that come across your path from time to time. You believe their calling in life is to destroy yours. And that's truly not their calling in life, but that's what you believe. (laughs) Because every time they're in your life, you're doing bad things. You're making bad decisions. And you know what the problem is? Most of them are people who we love. A relative. People we call our friends. But when we don't have any money or anything that they want, they're not around. You know? They don't just hang out and say, hey, man, what's going on? We're just just chilling. Just You know, let's talk about the word a little bit. Oh, no, you talk about the word. I'm out here, Jack, you know. I, I mean, anyway. But a famine came into the land, right? And when the famine came into the land, Joseph was put in charge of the food. When he was put in charge of the food, people from all over were coming to get portions of food, and he was in charge of it. His brother's came up to him, didn't know who he was, bowed down to him, the dream's fulfilled. Right? He refused to get offended. Pastor, how do you know that? Because it says in the the, uh, next verse, verse 20, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended for for good. What? You know what I would have done? I don't know, but I might not have done that. He was full of God. I would, off with their heads, you know, something. I mean, you think about it. That Joker was on top of it. He was so full of God. He had so much relationship with God. He had the power, he had the control. He could have said, yes, yeah, I told you he was going to bow. He didn't do any of that stuff. See, he went through some things which matured him to where he wasn't the same kid who was bragging that you're going to bow down before me. That's why we go through things. I know all of us want to go, oh, no, I don't want to go through that, but God knows we need to go through it. God knows this. He knows if you don't go through it, when trouble comes, you will run. And you won't be running in the right direction, in the wrong direction. Okay. In Luke 17.1, in the New King, King James Version, Jesus said, Then he said to his, uh, the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, the offenses are going to come. No matter how much you pray for it, they're going to come. He's not bringing them. They're coming. Why? Because it's a fallen world. And I'm not talking about fallen people. There's two different words for world in the Bible. One has to do with the age. You know, dispensation, stuff like that. You know, And when you take a look at it, the world, people... He didn't come to save the age. He came to save the people. The age we live in, it's a fallen age. It's a, it's a fallen uh, system, I guess is a better term to use. And the system has failed because it's not God's system. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. So your enemy is not the people. It's the devil. It's the system. Okay? Against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So number one, what? Value process? Number two, I'll just put it this way, don't don't let offense stop you. And the third and last point is this. Remember, God is always with me. On the very day Joseph was sold into slavery, in Genesis 39-2, it says... The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. He's talking about when he was in the pit. On that very day. When he ended up in prison, it says this in verse 21, The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor. On that very day. Now this isn't in your notes. Just write these scriptures down here. Psalms 139, 8 and 10. If I go up to the heavens... You are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even uh, there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. He is there. He's omnipresent. He's always there. Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. God is there. Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God is there. Pastor, what are you doing? I'm giving you scripture that you can stand on, that you can look to when you're going through times of trouble. When things don't look good, go to the word. Jeremiah 1, 8 says, do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 119, they will fight against you, but will but, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. And the last but not least, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus is speaking. He said, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end. I want you to know that Jesus is there. No matter how hopeless it looks, no matter what things look like at all, no matter what you're going through, no matter the mountain, how big it is, no matter the valley, how low it is, no matter what, God is there and he's there for you.